This episode is brought to you by DistroKid. Welcome to the journey. I'm your host, Chris Demix, and this is where I pick the brains of your favorite musicians about their musical paths from the very beginning and throughout the years up until the present. How they got from point A to point B, from their earliest musical memories, that very first song they remember hearing, to who influenced and inspired them. The moment they knew they wanted to be a performer, what led them to their instrument of choice, embarrassing first recordings, performances, and everything in between. When they fully realized this was a pure, unadulterated passion, way more than just a fleeting hobby or something they enjoyed in passing. We go deep and get the inside scoop of how, why, and when this all began. No two stories are the same, each unique to the individuals telling them, and everyone as fascinating as the next. So join me now as we embark on another journey. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of The Journey. Today, we are joined by Less Than Jake's drummer, Mr. Matt Yonker, who unfortunately has to stand behind me and stare at my derriere for hours at a time. Very, very true. <laughs> Matt, how are we doing today? I am wonderful. It's a lovely Sunday morning here, and you know, this is getting me away from uh, episodes of Blippi and Paw Patrol. <laughs> nice. Yes. Matt. <laughs> Matt and I compare cartoons these days. We have children about the same age. So uh, we've taken a crash course in, 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 uh, in kids cartoons. It's been it's been awesome. It's true. <laughs> so want to go all the way back to your earliest memories uh, of music. Was it hearing a song? Was it, uh, you know, bouncing your fingers on the table, making noise, drum noises? What what was your first memory? Well, there was definitely times growing up when I was really little. You know, I'm talking probably four or five. That's what I kind of remember. That's like my earliest memories of anything musical. I guess it would come to mind would be I was always banging on things. But there was for some reason and this stands out to me and I still don't even know where this came from. But we'll get into my family history in a second. But uh, <laughs> for some reason, there were like two or three eight tracks laying around the house. Right. One of them was the Gene Simmons solo record, right? Oh, my. Right. I don't know. I still don't know why, but my dad's charger had an eight. Uh, he had a Dodge charger, had an eight-track player in it. And I just remember hearing that maybe a couple times, just putting it in there just to see, you know, what happened when I put it in. So the song on that record, Radioactive, right? There's a song called Radioactive on that record. Uh-huh. <laughs> My earliest memory, you know those old handheld voice recorders? Yep. My parents had one of those, and there's a recording of me when I'm five years old or whatever, running around the house just singing, she's radioactive. <laughs> you are tripping me out right now so bad because, of course, I know this song. Not many people probably right. do. It was on a terrible Gene Simmons yes. solo record. yes. And I don't know, that was the only thing that I was just running around the house, but I'm just going, radioactive, radioactive, like, you know, just doing that at a very young age. And my parents held on to that for the longest time. So I remember listening to that growing up going, oh my God, like, that's so weird. That was probably my earliest like memory 
of like an actual song and remembering a song, you know? I, I never, unfortunately, got to meet your parents uh, before they passed, but were your parents, I don't recall you ever talking about them being musical. I know they were very accepting of you and your brother, Don, right. okay, that, that you could do whatever you want musically, but why would your, your, it doesn't strike me that your dad would have a Gene Simmons 8-track. No, and that's the weird thing. There was, okay, my whole <laughs> upbringing is a little bit different just because my brother and I were both adopted from birth, right? Mm-hmm. So- my adoptive parents, mom and dad, which I'll, you know, which will always be mom and dad. Yeah, music, it was never like, oh, there's a musical instrument sitting around or that kind of thing. There was never that. But there were certain records that they had hanging around. Not the Gene Simmons one, but I'm saying like, um, <laughs> it was mainly old country stuff, you know? Like that's what they listened to 90% of the time was country music. So I was raised on that. But at the same time, there were a couple albums that were that they had. Um, one was like a Chuck Berry greatest hits. Another one was the Grease soundtrack. That was huge for me growing up. Mm-hmm. Like that record, I mean, the movie and just listening to it on vinyl. I listened to that all the time. So that was a that was a big uh, influence. But it was mainly country music, and yeah, there was never any oh, here's a guitar, here's this just laying around the house. The first thing that struck me, and this is another just random event, was also when I was younger, we went to a a family member's uh, wedding, and my uncle, who wasn't my uncle, was just like, you know, when you have a a close friend that you grow up and and you call him uncle. Well, it was my mom's best friend, is her husband. At the wedding, his band played, which... I had never seen a band. I had never, there was never anything like that. And he played lap steel guitar. Man, when I saw that band, just randomly being at that wedding reception, that's what clicked with me. That's what, when I was like, wait a minute, what is this? And that's when, (laughs) that's when I really started like banging on things more and like that kind of stuff. That's so cool because that was going to be my next question. What was the first thing that you, that you saw? But but let's back up for a quick second. You know, I had asked you at the top, were you banging on the table as a kid? Because most drummers that I've ever talked to, they were banging on stuff in their crib with as, as early as some of their earliest memories. And so now at this time, did you when you especially when you saw your uncle's band, were you? interested or fixated on the drums or because you know uh for the listeners matt can get you can get around on guitar and bass you can play other instruments you're and you're really good at them you know you're not you're not just a drummer but was 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 drumming the focal point at this point early on yeah the the drums hit me immediately so it was like you know pots and pans in the kitchen the other big thing (laughs) the other big thing for me growing up was sitting in front of mtv surrounded by pillows pillow drumming along to like Joan Jett and stuff on on MTV, you know, but that was, yeah, it definitely did it. (laughs) That's awesome. What, uh, do you remember the first 45 or album or cassette you bought? There's a couple around the same period, I guess, that were my, the first things that I got. One of, one of the big ones that I remember actually Don, uh, my brother, Don, He's six years older than me, so he was already doing, you know, fun stuff while I'm stuck at home in New Jersey growing up. So he was out with his friends going to the beach or whatever. So on one of his early trips down to the beach, 
he brought me back a Michael Jackson thriller. So that was that was an early one for me. I had that on vinyl and that was definitely an important one. The other first couple that I had right around that same time were um, Lionel Richie, like all night long or something. You're only about eight years, uh, seven or eight years old at this time. Yeah, I'm pretty, pretty young. So, yeah. And like police synchronicity, that was another one that I had on on vinyl like early on. And yeah, just kind of went from there. But those were those were real early records for me. When did you start pestering your parents for a drum set? Well, (laughs) first thing. Yeah. So this is how this all starts. This is pretty funny. It was probably around fifth grade that I first was like, I want to play drums. And my mom, okay, first off, I come, I I was raised in a small town called Pedricktown, New Jersey, right? Very small. There was 21 people in my eighth grade class, right? So it's oh, man. that kind of small. So when yeah. I when I tell her that I want, want to play drums, she goes, okay, well, you know, go to the school and, and tell Miss Hart, the music teacher, that you want to play drums. So I'm like, okay, so go tell her I want to play drums. She's like, okay, okay. So she comes back like the next week with like a little practice pad and drumsticks. And she's like, okay, take this home. And, and I took that home for like two nights. And I was like, this isn't what I want. I want to, I want to play the drums. I don't want to, <laughs> yeah. I don't want to play on a practice pad. Right. So Rudiments, around, what's that? Exactly. Well, she also tells my mom that I should get a snare drum. Right. So my mom, they go out and they get me a snare drum. And that's like the first drum I had. And it was to practice rudiments and all that stuff, which I had no interest in doing. I, I just wanted to bang on the drum set, right? So I kind of stopped. And I was like, well, that's not what I want. And I think my mom and dad caught on real quick because th- it was that Christmas. I think sixth grade is when I got my first kit, which I'll have to show you a picture sometime of me sitting behind it because... You know, I don't know how to set up a drum set. So it's like the bass drum, the rack tom is like pointed straight up and down. And like, there's like one cymbal. What brand of drums was it? Do you recall? Oh, oh, dude. Royce. Royce. (laughs) (laughs) I've never even heard of that. (laughs) Exactly. It was a Royce drum set and I had some camber cymbals. Do you remember those? C-A-M-B-E-R? I do remember those. Those were the cheapest. They were like the, the Kmart oh, dude, of cymbals. Terrible. Yeah, awful. My, yeah, fr- my, friend, like, my friend Randy played click. those. Yeah, yeah. it, it, yep. it was like uh, t- tapping on the hood of a car. <laughs> yeah, terrible. Terrible, man. <laughs> a Ro- Ro- you know, we need to look for Royce. If you're still out there, Royce Drums, I want you to sponsor Matt on the next tour. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Royce, I would love to see. Actually, I have to look that up now. Is that still? It can't be a company anymore. That's insane. So you yeah. got this drum set now. Of course, your brother Don uh, is a guitar player, and he plays. Do you guys start jamming in the house? Well, no. And this is this is where everything's a little different too. Is okay. I start playing drums. I play drums for a couple years, and then I decide, hey, I want to start playing guitar too. So I, my parents got me a guitar for Christmas. It was a, a banana yellow PV tracer. Wow. It was pretty awesome. That's cool. <laughs> totally cool. So I took, a, again, I took a couple lessons with that. And for some reason, I took them with one of my friends and I was just instantly getting things. Like I was like my picking and everything, I think from playing drums, the instructor was like, 
wow, your your picking hand is crazy fast. <laughs> like this, because yeah. he was he was all you know. I'm taking one guitar lesson. He's already trying to show me one by Metallica. It's like, what are you doing? <laughs> like, <laughs> I can't play that. You know. Um, yeah. But yeah, that so I went to guitar, played that for a little bit, and then went back to drums. And when when I went back to drums, that's when Don started learning guitar. So okay. I I had already been playing drums for a little while, and then he started learning, and that's when we started jamming, like after that. Well, one thing I do know about your parents from you is you told me they had an incredible amount of, of, of patience. And as a parent, you have to have patience with drums. That's like the last instrument you want your kid to bring home. Like guitars without an amp are relatively quiet, a flute, you know, but uh, drum drums are thunderous. You, you can't watch TV or relax when your kid's drumming down oh, the hallway. Dude, it was <laughs> insane because my my parents' house, I mean, it turned into the the practice house so all the bands we ever had it was dude you would go upstairs there would be things just rattling because it was so loud and they would just be sitting up there drinking coffee hanging out i'd come i'd come up from practicing i'd be down there rocking out to 80s records or whatever learning how to play and i'd come up and my mom would be like wow you're sounding really good that's the support and it was so rad. Uh, that's awesome. And and you know she meant it from the heart. But I bet if absolutely, we were, I bet if we were a fly on the wall and we went back, you guys probably weren't that good yet. <laughs> God no, 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 man, not at all. You know that you th- you yeah. think you're good, and then if we listen to it now, it'd be like, oh my god, yeah. out of time, out of tune, out of touch, everything else. Um, but I will say, I, I mean, that's one thing I will say is. I would learn by playing along to records and I could feel myself getting better. So it was definitely noticeable, you know, but when I started, it definitely wasn't that great. <laughs> so you, you saw your uncle's band and that, that flip, flipped the switch. What was the first thing? And I'm, I'm, it was probably on MTV. Uh, what was the first band or first thing you saw and you were like, Oh, this is it. I, 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 I need, I need to be a part of this. Oh man. There were so many, you know, watching MTV at that, that time that whole everything was just like oh my god i want to be that i want to be this band i want to be that band (laughs) and it's really all that all that early stuff um right up into the early like when glam metal started getting big that was like the period for me Mm -hmm. that you know just growing up you're all that stuff is getting big so all those early hair bands i mean for me i was sucked in i was really sucked into that you know right (laughs) and i way into it and I think that's what's made you so great as a drummer. You know, those 80s records, you could laugh all you want at some of the hair metal they call them. Those records were tight. Right. Okay. They were yeah, they, they were put together. The, the good ones were put together well. They were tight. And learning to play to that, that swing and that feel, uh, and, and, and you weren't just into heavy metal. You were into rock and, and pop and all kinds of stuff. And then to go from there to transition into punk rock, okay, you, you you bring that feel in, which, you know, a lot of people I've, I've heard over the years, oh, punk rockers, guitarists, drummers, they don't know how to play. Well, th- there might be some merit to, to that in, in, in some circles, but, you know, most of the guys that I've run with, uh, they're not just punk rockers. They have a background of other stuff that they bring in. Yep. And and that's what that's what you brought in. What was the first punk rock band you heard? Ooh, so, so this goes back to Don, too. This helped me a lot. Like looking back on it, it was a super important part of growing up was, you know, him being six years older, he was, he started getting into stuff when he went away to college or even later in high school that he was bringing home. He would have, you know, cassettes laying around his room, like 
rap music for rap people or a Circle Jerks record or something like that. A really early one for me that was super important was Bad Religion, No Control. I mean, that record, I mean, over and over and over and over and over again. I still, that's just a super important record. Well, and being in New Jersey, one of the meccas of punk rock United States, I mean, that 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 had to uh, have not hurt to be there. I mean, you were exactly Don was going to Don was going to shows at City Gardens every weekend, you know, and going to see all these bad corrosion and conformity and stuff like that. And so I was hearing about all that stuff and kids would come over with mohawks to pick him up to go to the shows. My mom was just like, what is going on? (laughs) Looking to elevate your music career? DistroKid is a digital music distribution service that enables musicians to distribute their music to online stores and streaming platforms such as Spotify, Apple Music, YouTube Music, Amazon, Tidal, and many more. DistroKid collects earnings and payments, sending them to you, the artist. With DistroKid, artists unlock a world of possibilities. From easily paying collaborators with splits to securing your music with DistroLock, DistroKid covers all bases. Plus, you can promote your releases with HyperFollow and create eye-catching visuals with a Spotify Canvas generator, all for free. But that's not all. Introducing the DistroKid app, now available on iOS and Android. Artists can manage their releases, view streaming stats, and withdraw earnings, all from the palm of their hand. And for those looking to perfect their sound, check out Mixia. With its simple interface and customizable mastering options, artists can make their music sound polished and professional within minutes. And don't forget about Instant Share, DistroKid's newest feature. Share large files securely with collaborators, producers, and more, ensuring your music streams at the highest quality. Ready to take your music to the next level? Download the DistroKid app and explore their suite of tools today. Plus, listeners can enjoy 30% off their first year by visiting distrokid.com slash VIP slash Demakes. That's distrokid.com slash VIP slash Demakes. Do you remember ever questioning the production of punk rock because coming from 80s pop i mean i was an mtv kid that's all i had port charlotte florida you know my story and and you were a suburban kid in the middle of jersey so the first record i heard was was misfits and oh yeah yeah that was the first punk rock i heard and then maybe sex pistols ramones dk somewhere in there and they weren't great recordings but i i I didn't let that influence me. I uh, the songs moved me. It didn't matter. Yep. Did you feel that way? I early on, I really, I really didn't notice too much on the production, except for I will say, still to this day, the the toms on No Control. You know what they sound like. It's just <laughs> oh my like God. they still stand out in my head, like that that sound. You know? Yeah. Even back then, not knowing really the difference of anything, it's like I still go, oh yeah, those those are No Control toms. The production side of things really didn't hit me until a little bit later down the road, but it was, you could definitely tell 
there were differences in tones and stuff, but you're right. It was the feel. It didn't matter. It really didn't matter that these sounded shitty. Yeah. Oh, right. I mean, could you imagine if, if Rob Cavallo had produced Op Ivy's Energy and it sounded yeah. pristine? I mean, it wouldn't be the same record. No, it wouldn't be the same record. Exactly. Op Ivy. Exactly. I mean, that that record. It's like, yeah. does it sound amazing? No, but for that time period, it Jeez, it's such a perfect thing, you know. And if you if you crank it up on a good stereo, it'll take your head off. Oh yeah, to this day, yep. it's just it's brutal, you know, uh, in, sure. in, in its in its execution. So, what was the first band you formed? I know some of your early <laughs> ones, but I, I don't know if I know the name of your very first one. <laughs> oh, you're gonna love this. My first band was called Havocs. H a v o x. Oh, nice. Right? You're right. So yeah, th- these were. Some guys I met <laughs> local in the area, and uh, it, it was just one of the. There's there's a couple things around this time period that's pretty funny because I had met a couple guys from high school. We went, I I auditioned for their band, which really wasn't a band, right? But they it was like two dudes that jammed or whatever. But through them, I met the guys I would start my first band with, but, but to jam with these first guys, the way I got in the band to play with them was I had to go over the house, which still to this day, I snuck out of my parents' house at 11 o'clock at night, snuck out of my bedroom window. They picked me up. I went, <laughs> I went to play with them. And the, the audition was, they made me play to Motley Crue. They, they basically <laughs> blared Motley Crue through the PA and I had to play along to it. So that's so what, that's what, what it year, was. What year are we talking here? 90, this 91? Is, yeah, probably. Yeah, probably 90, 91. Yeah, pr- right around there. Yeah. And uh, so I, I jammed with those guys, but then I started, I joined a band that was already a band called Havocs, H-A-V-O-X, that were already known in the, you know, small <laughs> yeah. three-town scene that, <laughs> you, that was kind of You kind of hit the big time. Yeah, man. So, so this band also did a a heavy cover version of Puff the Magic Dragon, (laughs) which, dude, I do recall you talking about that. I didn't know the band name was Havocs, though. Oh, yeah, dude. So somewhere around here, I have a demo because we actually went and recorded a demo. So I'll I'll have to find that at some point. If you could find the demo, I'd love to include it in this episode. That'd Uh, be amazing. it It would be so embarrassing. Um, <laughs> so from, 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 ha- from Havocs, where, where do we go? Cause I know, I know of course there was Jake and the Stiffs. There was the halflings. That was like when stuff really started. It was Jake and the Stiffs for me and Don were, uh, no, that was another band. Like Jake and the Stiffs were a band that were formed in Delaware that had, or not formed in Delaware. It was actually formed by Randy, the singer in Michigan. He used to live in Michigan. There's your Michigan connection. There we uh, go. <laughs> and, uh, so they had been playing the bar circuit around usually 21 and up shows, but the songs that, that Randy had, dude, I'll, I'll have to let you listen back. He, he's just a good songwriter. He's still a great songwriter. So me and Don started playing with Jake and the Stiffs. Now, when we started playing with Jake and the Stiffs, that is also where I got the Matt Drastic from. That's where the name Matt Drastic came in was the that Jake and early. the Stiffs era. Yeah, that it was, early. uh, 
well, that's this was 90. By the time Jake and the Stiffs happened, it was probably 94, early 94. Yeah. So, you know, we're in, we're already listening to the screeching weasel and stuff by this point and the yeah. queers and all that. So had to have, had to have some sort of name, you know? So, so we had Randy America, Algie Suicide, <laughs> Donnie Switchblade, and Matt Drastic. <laughs> <laughs> nice. <laughs> and you're still Matt Drastic, which is which well, is which exactly. is exactly. Awesome. <laughs> well, and the reason that stuck because when we were playing in Jake and the Stiffs, randomly, we got to be friends with Joe and the Queers. So uh-huh. they would stay at my parents' house when they played Philly. They would come over, you know, they knew us in Jake and the Stiffs or whatever. And then when I ended up playing in the Queers years later, Joe already knew me as Matt Drastic. It was never going to go away. So it was <laughs> yeah. like um, I was screwed. <laughs> you were already you you were already you were already branded. I was um, branded. <laughs> so Jake and the Stiffs, and then your next band after that, the Halflings. You guys, you, you're playing punk rock shows. You're playing basements. You're playing VFW halls. Yeah. You're you're doing the thing. And how did you get involved with Teen Idols? So the Halflings. During the Halflings, we were playing around Delaware. Pennsylvania, New Jersey, because the band was based out of Pennsylvania. But me and Don decided we were going to move to Berkeley. It was, you know, the punk scene was crazy. and We're going to go out there because that's where everybody is. So we went out there and it was awesome. It was a great experience. And at the at the same time, while we were out there, I met Dave Parasite from the Parasites. Mm-hmm. They took the Halflings on a full U.S. run. That was the first to- real tour I ever did. So on that run... The Teen Idols were already a band. They were touring on Seven Inches at this point. And uh, we met them. I hit it off with them. They asked me to come down to fill in for a tour because they were going to get rid of their drummer. And I was like, yeah, I I could do that. It's between Halflings tours or whatever. I can come down and do this Teen Idols tour and then go back to New Jersey. I came down, did the tour, and never left Nashville. (laughs) <laughs> you know, I, I, so I've been here since 96. Well, the, the, the Teen Idols, of course, put out three albums uh, on Honest Don's Records, which was a subsidiary of Fat Records. Your last album uh, came out in 2004. Uh, or no, excuse me, 2003. Right. And that was on Fueled by Ramen. And uh, the, the band pretty much dissolved not too not too long after that and <laughs> like right I, when the record released <laughs> right right un- unfortunately and for yeah. those that, for those that know teen idols you know What an amazing, awesome band. And we became friends with with you on a tour that we did with Newfound Glory and Anti-Flag in 2000. So we met you then. It was in between tours at some point that Vinny called you and asked, hey, can you do merchandise for, for us? We're, we're in a pinch. Well, yeah. At the end of the tour, I you know, Teen Idols did with you guys. I, I want to take one step back. When, when we went out, the first big tour that Teen Idols ever did was No Effects. That was the first time I ever saw a band that had a crew that, yeah. you know, dudes that were doing other things and Kent doing front of house and all this. Other, and that really opened my eyes. I was like, whoa, this is like somebody's job. 
Like this is this is crazy, right? Yeah. So when I when I went out on tour with you guys and also saw that to more of extent, you had Rhino out with you. He was selling merch, hating the world at that point. But yeah. you know, he was the one. Rhino was the one that was like, "Dude, you know drums. You should you should try to drum tech for somebody, right?" So at the end of that tour, I had told Vinny, I was like, "If you ever need a drum tech, let me know." Well, he had called me a couple months later. You guys were doing Warp Tour, and he said. Hey, do you want to do stage or do you want to do dr- do you want a drum tech for us? And I was like, yeah, that'd be awesome. Holy shit. And then a week later I get the call. Hey, so uh it well, it'll be doing it'll be doing drums and also selling merch. And you know, <laughs> first off, I never done warp tour. I was just like, fuck yeah, I'm going on warp tour. And then after the merch thing, it was him calling back again and going, Hey, you know guitars too, right? And I was like, Yeah. And he goes, Okay. So I was doing all of stage yes, and selling merch, which yes. anybody that's done Warp Tour knows that's insane. You're up at <laughs> seven in the morning. You don't go to bed till midnight. You're, you're working all day and in, in, in just insane heat and temperatures. The reason I wanted to, to really talk and focus on this part today, because, you know, Every musician's journey is different. Yours is incredible because you haven't just been a band guy. You've been able to have a career in music your whole life, uh, not just being a drummer. Not a lot of people do that. They're just a drummer. They're just a singer. They're just a guitar player. So here you are doing guitars for us. And and yeah, you knew your way around, but you weren't great at first. We threw you in the fire. No, okay? you absolutely. Were, you, you were doing drums. You were doing merchandise. Matt ended up doing live sound for us became our tour manager at some point in between before that happened though you had went back to work at guitar center you kind of thought everything was over you're like eh, in between these tours i'm slinging merch for these bands and and doing this um you worked there briefly but then you got a call from joe queer to play drums and you did that for a while yeah um right around the time teen idols broke up actually the year before teen idols broke up Joe had hit me up about filling in for some shows and I filled in then and me and Philip played with them for a little bit together. And then teen idols broke up and I was just over it. I was, you know, like you said, I went, I was like, I'm going to get a job. I'm just over this. Actually, the first thing that got me out of that was you guys calling again for project revolution. Mm-hmm. And then I went back and did project revolution after the summer project of 2000, revolution, 2004. Yep. Yeah. After project revolution, you know, uh, my dad passed away and there was all kinds of craziness. Then Joe called me. I went back out touring with them again. And, you know, I, I toured with them on and off for quite a while. It, like in between when I was working for you guys, I, I played on the their Pleasant Screams record, too, and some other live records that had come out. Yeah, I kept busy, I, you know, not really thinking about it. You just go, OK, I go to the next thing. Yeah. And uh, it's just kind of worked somehow. <laughs> no. And, and again, not a lot of people can pivot They're They're just the drummer. They're just the singer. They're, they're just the tour manager. They are. They're never going to be the guy that sells the t-shirts and you've, you've worn all those hats. And I want to say from probably 2010 on, you were doing live sound for less than Jake and, and, and tour managing us. And yep. fast forward to uh late summer of 2018, Vinny, tells the band that uh, that he's stepping down. He wants to, to, to spend time at, uh, at home and not be on the road anymore. We had two huge shows coming up, one in Boise and one in Tacoma. They were both with Bad Religion and the Interrupters. Uh, big, one was an amphitheater show, one was a, a, an arena show. And I remember calling you and saying, 
do you want to do this? And I'll never forget you saying that you really never thought you'd play drums professionally again. No. And that's what, honestly, when that all happened, like I always do, I said, yes. And then I, <laughs> yeah. I, you know, cause I taught, I will never forget. I talked to you and buddy and I'm like, yeah, I can do it. I, I, I really wasn't thinking about it, but I was like, yeah, I can do it. And I remember getting off the phone and then having the oh shit moment because, you know, a lot of people don't know that. When I started doing front of house and TMing for you guys, I stopped everything. Yeah. So I stopped playing drums. Like I may have played on a couple tracks here and there, but I did not play drums. So I thought I was fully retired from playing drums. And, you know, maybe I'd play drums later in my life somewhere for fun or whatever, but I was done. Uh, I had given up that part of my life and I was moving on. I, ha already, I have kids on the way. You know, you know how it goes. Well, and, and for those who've never played drums, it, it's the most physical, physically demanding instrument there is. You're swinging all limbs, uh, especially, you know, throw us in some of these humid, uh, sweaty places that we play. It, <laughs> it, it It is brutal, but it's not something you can get right back on and start back up again. I know you were rusty when you got when you got back. Oh, God, dude. So, you know, we had if I remember right. You guys asked me that. I said yes. And I think we had, what, two weeks? Two, Ten days, two weeks. Two weeks, something, yeah. something, two weeks. Two weeks before the show. So, yeah, I was just like, oh, okay. I guess I I'm going to do this. And I just remember jumping on the kit the first time and going, holy shit, can I do this? Like, <laughs> is this going to be an actual thing? Like, you know, it already felt like I know the songs. That isn't it. From working with you guys for a million years, like, well, not. I, I mean, you, the songs. <laughs> you you missed most of your 30s playing drums. Here you are, 40, yeah. going, okay, I'm going to yeah. start. Well, you know, it, it wasn't like you were 21 years old either. Uh, in no, your, no. In, in your defense, and when I said I know you were rusty, I know that from you telling me you had to get calluses rebuilt up on <laughs> oh, your, 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 your hands. Yeah. You were Your muscles were sore. Your neck was sore. But I, I got together with you the day before I came to Nashville. We ran through yeah, the no, set. Yeah, no full band practice. Either. Yeah. I, no. I still can't believe this. You guys are throwing me in front of 5,000 people and I don't even get a band practice. It's yeah, like, we, Jesus Christ. And, I, and I'm, I'm back. I'm backstage and Roger and I, we're, we're just all cool as a cucumber. And there's Yonker just pay. And you're not a stress ball, man. You're pacing back and forth. And I, I remember thinking after the show how unfair that really was to you. But we had so we had so much confidence in your ability. You had been around for so long, which that eased our tensions. You, you had been around in many different Well, capacities. see, that's, that's why I was so nervous, though, because, because you guys had so much confidence in me you guys were like oh yonker's gonna kill it and i'm like holy shit <laughs> curtain opens up there's like six thousand yep. people staring at us in this amphitheater and we went out and had had an awesome show yep. uh before we break okay out of all the things and it could be anything it could be from when you were teching it could be anything it could be you know before you even got in a band but what's your What's your proudest memory or your, your, your grandest, your best memory of, of your musical career? There's a few, you know, the first time of, uh, teen idols getting signed. I mean, that was such a huge thing. You, you know that, I mean, at yeah. that point, fat records, fat Mike, all of that. I mean, that was wow. Yeah. You were that, getting, a, could, you were getting an endorsed by the punk rock mafia at that point. It was like, you know, yeah, because at the same time we had also, the reason that all started was Ben Weasel had reached out to us about producing us. So having Ben Weasel and Fat Mike go, hey, your band's fucking good. Wow. <laughs> yeah. That's uh, 
That's pretty awesome. But, dude, I mean, the pinnacle, probably fucking joining Less Than Jake. I mean, this is everything that I've always wanted to do. And, you know, you don't think about that when you're a kid. You're just doing it. But it's like, you know, it's like, holy shit. Like, being able to do this right now, still, at this point in my life is is just amazing. Yeah, I've, I've, yeah. I've been in a band with a few people in my life, and I got some great guys in this band. I mean, you can't get m- much nicer and kinder person than Jr. Buddy's an absolute sweetheart. Uh, Roger has his moments. I love you, we Roger. We know Roger, and no. uh, <laughs> <laughs> I love you, Roger. But uh, I, I, you're just a team player, man. You're the best guy to have in a band with all my heart. Uh, just, just well, your thanks, expertise man. on on so many things, and. Uh, you know, it's it's just been cool. It's funny. I, I I said this about the past episodes of the journey that I've done, where you would think I, how long have I lived with you in, in close quarters? I would have heard these stories, but I'm I'm yeah. fascinated today. I, I didn't know a lot of this stuff. I had no idea about Havocs. That's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> now now I have to dig for the cassette. I know I have it. We well we would, we would love to hear it. But uh, thank thanks so much for sitting in, my friend. Thanks, man. I will uh, talk to you soon. reached is 100.7 WMMS. It wasn't just a radio station, it was a lifestyle. Cleveland is the rock and roll city for sure. Get down! The Wrath of the Buzzard. WMMS. The rise and fall of one of the most iconic radio stations in America. Profiles. The Wrath of the Buzzard. P-R-O-H Files. Subscribe now wherever you get podcasts. Ever wonder what a punch from Elton John feels like? Or how you'd cope with having turned down the chance to be in Nirvana? Or what signal Keith Richards gives when he wants you to get the hell out of his hotel room? Fans of Too Much Effing Perspective don't have to wonder, because they've heard these exact stories and a jillion others on our podcast. I'm Alex Hoffman, former tour manager for Radiohead. And I'm musician and comedy writer Alan Keller. On the TMEP show, we get guests like Nancy Wilson from Heart, Jeremiah Freights from the Lumineers, and Modern Family's Julie Bowen to tell us things they may have only shared with their therapist, clergy, or a TMZ stringer. So join us on Too Much Effing Perspective. That's E-F-F-I-N-G Perspective. The only podcast you crank up to 11. Oh.